Yeah, that was perfect. Uh, so everyone, how are we all? We all good in quarantine? I think it's been like, what, 10, 10 weeks or something at home? God, yeah, when you say it Are like the that. movies getting old yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there with a cup of joe, ready to do my podcast. I'm all right. I'm kind, yeah. of, kind of accepted my yeah, fate now. Tina, it sounds like you've you've just built a whole cave for yourself there in your room. Flip the switch, yeah. I'm sitting in front of my mini fridge and my coffee maker, so, you know. <laughs> I wanted to do a Michael Scott from the office and bring up the George Foreman, just like <laughs> stick it on every morning and wake up to fresh bacon. But no, I'm, you'd never, you'd never leave. Yeah, that, that's it. I like. You'd never leave. I'd be in a fish. I, I'm pretty sure my posture would just immediately go crooked. <laughs> you, yeah, <laughs> and you have the bed would, sores of an eighty year old. Acne would come back. Yeah. You'd be like um, Charlie's grandfather in Charlie and the Fast. <laughs> <laughs> It would be like the opposite Just of a decrepit human. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, before we get started, so norm- so normality, normal life continuity. <laughs> before we get started, this is a this is a random thing, but do you remember um, we we did our our COVID nineteen um, movie eventual movie pitches because they're going to get made, and yes. I talked about mine with Leo Varadkar and Boris Johnson. I have now decided who I definitely will cast as Boris Johnson when this movie is getting made. I just decided there like five minutes before we started this call. Uh, it's Matt Lucas from Little Britain. He, <laughs> fuck yeah, he will uh, be class. He, he put Did you up, see him doing the impression? impression. Yeah, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely <laughs> amazing. I was like, how did I not see this at the time? He's going to be amazing at it. This will get him his Oscar. You know, he, thought- He's been a comedian his whole life, but... This will, I, this is be his serious role. I thought that was a voiceover when I first saw it, but it was just that. It's good, cr- it, it's actually scarily accurate, isn't it? Even the the mannerisms he does with the the kind of stumbling, the mumbly, like ah, oh, really, really good. Yeah, really. It's like, I cannot wait to wait. And doesn't Leo Varadkar play Leo Varadkar? <laughs> so they, <laughs> well, they they might have some nice chemistry going. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who does Matt Damon? I'd love play again? Uh, I'd love to get um. Fuck, who would I love to get to play Leo Varadkar? Uh, Brendan Fraser. He'd be so good as Leo Varadkar. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. You are just hung up on the mummy. <laughs> let, let it go, Jack. Because he deserves better. He does deserve better. I wish you, Jack. Brendan Fraser does not get the credit he deserves. Or Nick, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Oh, yeah, no. I, I haven't seen enough of Nick Cage recently, to be honest. Apparently, he's going to be Tiger King. You, you heard that? He is going to be yeah, John Exotic. Yeah, he, he is. That's, that's one of the news points. He is confirmed now. He's confirmed as Tiger King, isn't he? Yeah. Joe Exotic to, in, in a Tiger King series. So, like, he, he could take that either way. Because some some of the stuff he's done in the last couple of years has been really um, really shocking. Like, do you remember I tagged you in that? Um, it's like oh my god, what was that called? It was like, like mom the and movie dad. Got back to us. Yeah, it's called yeah. mom and dad. Yeah, and like he plays like a murderous <laughs> father or whatever. But like yeah. not in like the tone of the Clovich killer, more in the tone of like show me the money, <laughs> fucking Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Like, yeah. Yeah, because remember you tagged me in that on Facebook, and you, you said some like may I think you made up a tagline yourself. And they like, like commented this, this, back yeah, yeah. and they were like, <laughs> they're like, ooh, you'll have to wait and see, Jack. And we were like, what? what? Why is this movie talking to us? Silent brand. <laughs> he was in that film this year, Color Out of Space. Did any of you hear anything good about that? I, was really I, I, I heard that. I heard that like visually it was very impressive yeah. and, and all these things. But I, I, like, I don't think his performance or anything was particularly stellar. But you know what I will say about 
Nick Cage is like obviously I, people just watch him for the pure comedy of how weird the guy is like I mean I, my one of my friends went to go see his um gravestone because he's already purchased yeah. his gravestone it's <laughs> in, um, yeah it's I, in Miami I was literally or as you were saying that <laughs> looking at gravestone IMDb page <laughs> But it's it's enormous. It's absolutely enormous. I, he just sent in a picture. My friend was was doing a cruise and he stopped off Miami or something. And he was like, "Lads, this is Nick Cage's headstone." <laughs> like, so almost like, "Is he dead?" And he's like, "No, no, <laughs> he just has it ready." <laughs> he's very uh, well, um, Joe Exotic, though, isn't he? <laughs> oh, he is. He is. He's, he's gonna he's gonna be fucking fantastic. It got mixed. Um, to, it got mixed opinions, but like, I think that he's gonna blow it out of the water. I he might win his hope second his Oscar, comeback. you know. I really hope it's the second Oscar. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird that he's won an Oscar when you think about it. But oh, very watching, strange. I, there's I mean, there's you know worse he's... winners, though. There's worse oh, 100%. Winners. Yeah, 100%. I'd agree with yeah. that. And apparently he is very good in Leaving Las Vegas. But, you know, he is like, you see he's a cage, but he's a Coppola. So he's in the whole family of Francis Ford Coppola and all. And like, You're like he's related to them. Oh, no, I 100%. Never he's related to his name is Nicholas Coppola. Fucking that is crazy. crazy. I never. Yeah, knew and he that. changed it to Cage. And, what? Uh, yeah, Did yeah, he yeah. Change it to a... Cage to knock at jobs. You know how yeah, it's like he doesn't want to live <laughs> off his father's legacy or whatever. Exactly. Like he, he, he's. He, I think. I think Francis Ford Coppola is his uncle. And do you know who else is a Coppola related to that family? Wes Anderson. That really. Oh yeah, yeah I've are, seen stuff about that with Wes Anderson though. Yeah, hundred percent. They're all like That's I don't crazy, know that. I, I think he's. I think Wes Anderson is Nick Cage's cousin. So it's all a big family, but obviously Francis Ford is the the main one, and then they're all related to him. So Nick Cage is either his second cousin or his or his nephew, I think. And then you have you know Wes Anderson, who is is I think his cousin is Sofia Coppola, which means that. That, that means Francis Ford would be his <laughs> uncle too, I think. This is a it's, it's, it's a whole, tree of It's things. a whole weird thing. <laughs> That's a bit crazy. I can't, I can't um, find but, it on the IMDb about um, Wes Anderson. But I, oh, many of his cast members have connections to The Godfather. There uh, you go. He, like this, this, and Roman Coppola is the son of Francis Ford. So wait. Oh, sorry. That's it. So Roman Coppola is in Wes. Sorry. It's Roman Coppola is either in a lot of Wes Anderson movies and he's good mates in them. But yeah. Cage is definitely a Coppola. Yeah, Roman Coppola, who's, he's like a main character for Wes Anderson. Is yeah, that's that's mad though because you, you never really hear Francis Ford Coppola. He kind of dropped off the map a bit after. Um, I think he made that he made that terrible movie with uh, Robin Williams called uh, oh, what was it called again? Jack, where where Robin Williams plays a, a, a like a, a child. In like a man's body. Yeah, well, he is, he is a producer on like the worst horror films ever, Francis Ford Coppola. Like, you wouldn't believe the films that he's produced. Like, I'm I'm looking like at one now, like like Twixt. <laughs> it's like the most <laughs> stereotypical horror film ever. It's like, I that is insane. It's, it's like Twixt with an extra T at the end, and it's it's <laughs> all about like mysterious women and everything coming oh, out to get you God. and stuff. And it's what happened to him? How do you go from directing The Godfather to that? Like, I don't, I don't know. He clearly obviously didn't like the he cast. Life. He cast his daughter, didn't he? In the in, in the third then, one, which yeah, and, oh, and she man. was apparently shocking. Oh man, I have to say, like the third one, I think gets too much of a hard time. I, I watched it recently enough. It's it's definitely nowhere near as good as the first two. But oh my god, how they let her be in that movie! If I was a producer, I would have been losing my shit. It was Hollywood yeah. nepotism at its finest. She genuinely Absolutely. every line she delivers is just <laughs> she garbage. Else. 
Uh, she, I think she briefly was an actress, but she's actually more of a dir- director because she's done The Virgin Suicides and she did Marie Antoinette. And... Yeah, he, he was an uh, executive producer of Marie Antoinette as well. So the mm, nepotism she also didn't did that stop one... at Godfather 3. <laughs> well, do you remember that one? Uh, do you remember that one with Emma Watson and all? Oh, the, the, the Bling Ring. Do you remember that? The Bling Ring. No. Do you remember it was that, about that those, is such um, a movie that gets like lost in like time. It, it, you know? Yeah, it, it kind of was that kind of like uh, it kind of reminded me of that Spring Breakers kind of era of movies. Oh yeah, about, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was based on like a TMZ article about these these guys who basically used to rob rich people and they used to like socialize with like Paris Hilton and stuff and all, and then they'd rob them. Like it was, it was. I think it's actually quite an interesting story. I don't think the movie was any use, but. Uh, there you go. There's, I, I there's a brief like, history of the Coppola's for you. Guys. I really liked uh, Spring Breakers. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really good film. Well, yeah, that was a James. That was James Franco is fucking hilarious in that. Yeah, I'm such a fan of your man Harmony Corinne as well. If, yeah, uh, he's I think a, he's, I've mentioned he's, he's it a... before, but if you haven't seen his like saga on the Letterman show, it is the funniest thing ever. Apparently, he like robbed um, Meryl Streep. I think it was Meryl Streep on one of the Letterman shows. <laughs> The like he uh, robbed her. like he physically yeah robbed essentially her. essentially what <laughs> happened was like he used to go on Letterman either really stone he's a, he was a super well no guy he, well. he was he was so young when he first went on he was like eighteen yeah I mean he, he wrote on. he wrote kids when kids, he was like, yeah. like what sixteen or something and then uh, he directed he, he went on Letterman he directed Gummo which like. Like a year I later, really I think like, he, I think he I directed really Gummo. Like Gummo as well. And then what he wrote um, that he wrote that book about the race war, I think it was. <laughs> it was like a massive impending race war, and they got him on Letterman to promote that again. But apparently, that was when all the shit with Meryl that, Streep. That's happened. what it was. And to be fair, so he told James Franco tells the story because James Franco is actually really, yeah. really admires him, and James Franco was like, he tells where that, but he got onto Letterman and he'd taken a load of mushrooms. And he was, I think he was actually struggling with kind of addiction around that time, kind of. But he went on Letterman and then he shoved um, Meryl Streep. And uh, Letterman tells it that Letterman was knocking on Meryl Streep's changing room door to, to have a chat with her before the show. And he walked in and Harmony Kareen was rifling through her purse. Running through her bag. <laughs> <laughs> God, and he was just like okay leave yeah he's literally like you're never being on the show again and they seem to have a really good like relationship they seem to have a good like little yeah, bit of chemistry going i think uh letterman actually knew how to interview him very well because i think letterman throughout his years had some very bad interviews especially with kind of eccentric people like you know yeah. that kind of joaquin phoenix kind of quiet reserved kind of person yeah, yeah. but i think he like, actually used to handle the harmony kareen interviews very well until he Caught him robbing Meryl Streep. <laughs> well, there's just some things you don't yeah, come that, back from. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing robbing that that woman? That poor woman. The, the most the most popular actress, probably the most successful actress in, in recent yeah, history. Yeah, probably. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe definitely that's why he was robbing her purse. He, he probably assumed she had some, some stacks, yeah, some fat stacks in that. Cheese. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's kind of like it, the Tom it, Hanks of, of actresses, though, isn't it? She yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. They just don't put out bad films no I, she don't. has what like three oscars i think that's the same she has I three think... oscars and i think she has something crazy like 21 nominations yeah absolutely insane she does get nominated for literally everything she does yeah i think daniel day lewis has three as well doesn't he they're the two at the he does the they, they, they're the two record holders yeah yeah uh in some movie news um well not oh yeah this is movie news sorry uh so netflix are bringing us um a bright two uh, with Finally, Will Smith yeah, and Joel Egerton. This is literally what oh. I've been waiting for. Like, <laughs> fuck's sake. How do they, how do they, um, 
how do they stop making Mindhunter and continue to make fucking shit like well, well, what's the X on the beach? <laughs> what's that X on the beach rip off they have? Like oh, yeah, fucking... too hard to handle. Too hard to handle. Yeah, X yeah, on the too, beach. Like... To be fair, would probably make triple the money of Mindhunter though. I mean, <laughs> Mindhunter for, is for, a... for... Like it's for a great a fraction show, of the budget for like, a yeah. fraction of the budget. And I mean, the the the, per, the person who re- I heard, I heard an interview with the person who wrote Mindhunter, and she was just like, "It's intentionally one of the slowest burners you'll ever watch." So I mean, it is very slow. I while mean, I it, while it, it was but... very much my cup of tea, it wouldn't. Though, it's obviously not most people yeah like yeah like I, really, I know i, really I know, enjoyed I know. It, I know but, netflix but... has to make money and everything but have some fucking artistic you know yeah direction or something like they have some shit on netflix these days like the funny thing about netflix is which i actually don't like about them is their their chief executive or either their i think it was like or maybe their head of content he believes that like tv shows and stuff shouldn't really run on past three or four seasons like he, he kind of doesn't really believe in that which is kind of shitty because that means that you know, like he he kind of likes like you know the way they've brought out these once offs like Maniac yeah. and things like that. They, they he he loves those because they're popular for a couple of weeks. People watch them and then they're, they're kind of gone. So like he, they cancelled they cancelled them. Um, what was that? Uh, Drew Barrymore one, um, where she's like a cannibal. Um, it, it was a really weird one. It was a comedy where it was like basically like this funny sitcom, except in it she's a cannibal, cannibal, and the family. It was actually quite a cool concept. What is and it? Family, till death, is it? Oh yeah, till death. Uh, it was yeah, something like that. that. Till death. Yeah, and she's a zombie, like and they gotta like feed her. That's yeah. They have to feed her, so they decide to just kill terrible people to feed their moms. Uh, that seems addiction. like a good concept. Yeah, and I it think was I very popular. An episode of it though, and it was just a bit kind of. Well, I mean, it probably wasn't. I mean, I don't think it was Michael. <laughs> it was too, very like was... bottom of the barrel. Like I'm going to watch this kind of moment <laughs> when, when you've nothing else to do. Yeah, but that got cancelled, and and after three seasons, and there was you know petitions and things like that. But the head of content doesn't really care in Netflix, so I think a bright two would suit them because like it's a little bit like um like bright. They, they, okay, this is my problem with Netflix as well. They don't release their viewership figures. They never do, but they will kind of tell the press when something is doing really yeah, they, well. Yeah, they love a press release about, you know, like... How, how you know... How, how many people watch Bright One or something, you know? Yeah, rather exactly. Than, but they exactly. have they have added the new, like, filter thing. But, like, the top 10 on Netflix is always shit. Yeah, it is. It's 100%. Always, like, it's always, But it's like, the only stuff I watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough. The, Except, obviously, the movie, thing movie-wise, was, remember, I'm um, a bit more independent. <laughs> well, do you remember um, Bird Box? That was a really weird one, because you know everyone was watching that for some reason and i watched it and i thought it was crap but well they watched it for the memes i feel like netflix is I, yeah. well, the, the amount of influence it has on me but i wonder anything I wonder, that netflix put out is instantly I, I can't available tell, but, i can't help but wonder do netflix inflate the numbers sometimes and say oh x amount of people watched bird box on its first day and then everyone goes oh well if that many people watched it i i better go watch it you know what i mean i wonder did they excuse me do they kind of do that with bright you know what I mean? I, I don't like, know. I, th- I don't think Bright got a lot of credit when it first came out, and I kind of thought I, I gotta disagree. I thought Bird Box was a good film. Like it was, a, it was really? literally like I'd say John Krasinski was just sitting there after releasing Quiet Place, like what the fuck? What <laughs> but, the f- uh, well, that, that's what it felt. Like. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I thought that it was its own take, and it was kind of it was it was a nice film. I, I don't know. I, I love the the way. Um, they meet like a blind community towards the end. I just thought like there was little things like that that kind of. Well, that was the thing because when I when I first watched it, I was like, I was like, "Where's all the blind people though?" I was like, "Surely they yeah. like they they they're just chilling. <laughs> they're just chilling. Yeah. They don't yeah. even they don't even know anything's going on. They, yeah. they, they think everything's fine." Like. 
They're just sitting there like, finally. Also, <laughs> on the topic of shows getting cancelled, that Kaya Scodelar... Kaya Scodelar... How, how do you say her name? You know Effie from... Kaya Scods. Kaya Scods. Kaya Scods. It's Scodelario, isn't it? Oh, is it? I thought yeah, it was Kaya Scods. Yeah, it's a mad name. But anyway, excuse my pronunciation. Uh, that show's spinning out. You know the one about the figure skaters? That literally just got cancelled after the first season. No way. Yeah, I don't know if it's popular. I thought that was quite popular, though. I watched yeah. the episode. It wasn't, like, badly made or anything. It looked quite good. Like, all the skating looked amazing. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like Blades of Glory. <laughs> but that, that's it. It, it. But it was just, like, a toned-down Blades of Glory that was more so dramatic and less, like, doing backflips on the ice. Yeah, um, James Cameron has said actually that uh, Avatar 2 may still make the 2021 release date. Jesus. Like, I mean, how fucking long can you be at Avatar 2 for? Man, when did I Avatar come out? 2009. I mean, like, it's it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's not okay. No, I mean, it's, it's not fine. okay. Come on, guys. It's, it's, a, it's a proper feat of it's CGI. Oh, like, I mean, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, that all that it, stuff is it's amazing. It's fantastic in, in what that. it did. All that VFX is incredible. Like it, it really broke new ground. It yeah. really redefined a whole new gen. Like without Avatar, we wouldn't have the Marvel movies to the standard they're at now. But, but I just think even the story that, is excellent. I love the story. Uh, I, love I thought Sam it was very cookie cutter, very very kind of dumb. It's bread and butter, like, you know? bread and butter like. Yeah, totally. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe it's just because it was out what eleven years ago, and I was what twelve when I saw it. But I don't yeah. know. I can I can stick it on whenever. That's another one of those films. It's weird. It's like a three hour film, but if it's on, like I'll stick it on and I'll watch the whole thing. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want, if I want. What is it? Four more Avatar movies, or is it just three? Or what is it? It's. I don't know. I think they missed the beat. Maybe if it came <laughs> out in 2015, when the world was like a happier place. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Isn't it? Avatar would definitely go. The Avatar would <laughs> definitely fly. But now Avatar, like, I'm not going yeah. through quarantine and no. living through 2020 just so I have to watch another fucking <laughs> Avatar movie in 2021. <laughs> I think if there I was did like... not survive a global pandemic, I think to if watch there was four like... Avatar movies. A planet full of like indigenous, like blue barbarians. We'd probably go and butcher them for all of their raw materials yeah. right now, in order to solve this economic crisis in the pandemic. Yeah, let's go. There's no way. Pandora. There's no way he'd have any conflict in his mind. He'd just be slaughtering <laughs> them all. Uh, in uh, other movie news, talk back to Tiger King. I mean, this is a, we just talk about Tiger King all the time, but um, yeah, we do. Did you see um your man? Uh, what, what's his name again? It's uh, uh the Peters and Manners fellow on YouTube. Oh, it, they got uh, Carol Baskin on an interview pretending oh, to be the, Jimmy, the um the, the, the yeah, South yeah, African guy that, who, yeah. who pranked he pranked Katie Hopkins and all he went viral. Yeah, they're that. the guys who's pranked Katie. I kind of felt bad for. Her. Well, here's what? the thing. Here's the thing. You Why? Gotta, oh no, with Katie, Katie Hopkins. Hopkins. You feel bad no, for Katie Hopkins. Hopkins. Carol you feel bad for Carol Baskin. Oh yeah, I agree, Jack. I do feel bad. Like, I do feel bad. For we'll we'll talk about this later in the episode with documentaries and what they are today, but like. You just kind of felt bad for it because she seemed I, I like, told, yeah. pretty genuine. Well, she did Hopkins, thing, like, that was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Like, to be fair, though, like, if she killed her husband, right, fuck her. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know if she killed her husband. So now it's just like tricking. 
this poor woman who's like put her life on the line for like animal rescue into coming on Jimmy Fallon and making a show of her. But to be yeah. on Katie Hopkins, you do actually feel bad for Katie Hopkins up until her speech at the end, and then you're like, right, yes, fuck this woman. This is why they're doing it. Like, I forgot well, no, there the for speech a is actually is absolutely despicable. It's and, you know, like... that's just fucking awful. Absolutely fucking awful. Actually, oh, it's like, I kind of get what you I kind of get what you mean, Tierney, because like there's a bit where she's like checking into her hotel and she looks kind of like real innocent. Yeah. Yeah. and they're like laughing and you're kind of like oh that's just a woman and then she gets and up she's and real like attentive and stuff and like yeah. with them and, stuff. and then and, and she gets up she just and just starts harping on about like how retarded <laughs> people shouldn't be like looked after in society <laughs> and she actually calls them retarded people i don't <laughs> yeah like literally she's like and uh but and back to carol baskin stuff, yeah. can i can i ask can I ask how that went down? Because I actually didn't know what the reaction was. Was, it was. was the reaction negative or was it positive or what? I, I'm not so sure about the reaction. I think everyone kind of had the group consensus of like, all right, maybe this is like a little bit of a step too far. I haven't seen Jimmy Fallon react to it either. But <laughs> what I did look up is apparently they use a load of legal loopholes so they're covered. Because I was thinking, <laughs> if anyone's going to sue these people, it's Carol Baskin. Yeah, well, like 100% going to spend she millions taking them to court. Yeah, she's up for Fuck suing. Fuck the tigers. She's going <laughs> to sue you. <laughs> Where's the tiger rescue fund? <laughs> <laughs> These motherfuckers got me on YouTube. I mean, it's pretty insane that they pulled it off. Uh, but, like, you know... What I was thinking <sighs> is, how aren't they, like, headhunters for, like, the talent on news shows? Like, you know the way on, on news <laughs> shows there's always, like, a talent scout who'll find the story yeah, and get the, who, like, get the yeah, people yeah, on, like... How aren't these people doing it? How aren't they working for Jimmy Fallon? Getting Carol Baskin oh, on Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They would have actually. They would have actually been able to book. Yeah. If they just hired these guys. To get yeah. Fuck's sake. Like... With Carol Baskin. Um, we are, there's also um some movie news. Well, kind of just re- entertainment news. But um, Ben Stiller's uh, father passed away yesterday. I'm gonna say was. It? Yeah. Well, he announced it today on Twitter. So okay. very sad news. Because sometimes they both play like father and son. They do mm. quite a bit actually in movies. And his uh, dad, um, his dad was also in. I've never watched it, but I think he had a pretty big role in um, Seinfeld. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah he, he was is in, in Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's he a, a funny guy. Role. Like you know, he's a comedian yeah. and uh, he's a comedy legend. Uh, mm. Jerry Stiller. He died at ninety-two Jerry though, Stiller. so he's fairly yeah, good old, innings. Like, good innings. Good, yeah, yeah, very yeah. Good, innings. good age, yes. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, I was only watching. Uh, I was telling you, I was only watching Zoolander the other night, and I didn't realize that there's a scene in Zoolander where they replace Ben Stiller with a black actor, and then like because we were talking about Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface, but and the black actor looks so much like Ben Stiller that I have no idea whether or not he did blackface. But then it cut to the next scene. And all of them, makeup, and, and there was like brown makeup around his cheeks and everything. So it was really teetering the lines there of like whether or when, not he was when, doing When was this? What scene was this? In, in Zoolander. It's when um, Hansel and uh, Zoolander, are, Derek Zoolander, are trying to break into like the fashion show before Derek kills like the ambassador of Taiwan. <laughs> Malaysia. The Malaysia. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Malaysian. The Malaysian Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. That's hilarious. They would see I, uh, Zoolander 2. Yeah. No, I heard it was terrible. I heard it was awful. It's shit. Is it was sh- Zoolander 2. You know, it was it was Anchorman 2. It's the same. Yeah, same, same kind of thing. Same, it's, same story, different day. Morty's killing yeah. Morty's. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 
producers and actors killing yeah. their own legacies. Also, did you uh, see the trailer for Space Force, the new Steve Carell Netflix show coming out? Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested. It's by the same writers of The Office, so Greg Daniels, who is like the best oh, writer on The Office. Okay. Yeah, and it seems okay. to have like a couple of reoccurring characters. I think I saw Paul Lieberson in it. In the trailer, who is oh, to- really? Toby in the American in, office? In the office, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really I mean, excited it, for that. It looks interesting, and like Steve Carell, as we just talked about with our uh, Taika and um, and Adam McKay podcasts, uh, he's just so good in everything he's in, whether it's comedy or or serious acting. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure it'll be good. Well, he's there's a lot of good up, talent behind it. Yeah, he's following up uh, the morning show. So, I mean. If he's he's on a roll at the minute, it seems. I mean, like John Malkovich is in it. So is uh, you know, you're one. What's her name? Fred Willard, who's like always like the cool kind of like understanding awkward granddad. And um, <laughs> who's this woman? Sorry, wait, I'm, I'm flicking through. You know, um, in role models, the kind of like guidance counselor. I always forget her name. Jane Lynch, uh, and she's in uh, Glee as well. She's like the oh, tra- the yeah, tracksuit yeah. wearing woman in Glee. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. class. I love her. I have a lot of time yeah, for her. Yeah, oh, yeah, also, yeah, Lisa yeah. Kudrow as well. So it's a good cast. Oh, that that is a good cast. And well, it's on Netflix, is it? They're pulling her out of the. Uh, yeah, they're they're bringing it on to Netflix now as well. Yeah, I love John Malkovich. You ever watch Burn After Reading? Oh, He's I love, hilarious I love John Malkovich. He's very good I, I, have you guys ever seen? I, I I won't get into it too much now. But have you ever seen Being John Malkovich? It's always been on my list, but I just heard it's the weirdest, strangest thing. It is the craziest movie I've ever seen. It's so good, though. It's so, so good. It it's just yeah? a... Oh, it's hilarious. But it's the weirdest... Fo- and I love that John Malkovich agreed to it. Like, they clearly wrote that script. And then we're like, to John Malkovich, you have to be in this movie. It's, it's you gotta movie. be in it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought but he was that, so like, he'd be a part of writing it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not involved at all. He was just in it. Like, and he, and I, what is, I, it, I mean, is it? What's the concept it, behind it? It's something they live it, in his head, do they? Man, it, it's insane. They, they like they just. It's about them working in this office and they find this portal into John Malkovich's brain and you live as John Malkovich for about 24 hours and then you get thrown out and land on the side of a highway and like John Malkovich cops on and tries to take them to court and like John Malkovich makes himself look like a weirdo in this movie like like a weird dude like freak and it's so funny because like I I respected John Malkovich so much after because I was like only someone who does not take themselves seriously at all would make this kind of movie like he just completely <laughs> let, let them rip it out of him for the whole movie yeah, yeah fair now, play to him like yeah 100 percent. it's uh I, I highly recommend it highly recommend it yeah definitely uh, so on my list will we uh jump right into documentaries guys <sighs> yeah 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 let's get into it let's get into it yeah so basically uh what happened was we were all gonna come back with a couple of documentaries that we feel are uh, top class. Um, so I went for more of a general one that we can all talk about. I went for Louis Through. He's uh, a household name. He's loved by basically universally everyone. And he's got some of the most interesting documentaries that he's made last 20 years. Um, he's an excellent filmmaker as well. And he's one of the best interviewers in the world, in my opinion. Um, uh, it's the best so- around, isn't he? Yeah, I think like the, the like I was watching Louis and the Nazis, which is in Louis's weird weekends. Um, and the Nat he's in the Nazis' house having a barbecue with the Nazis. Like these guys are like proper skinheads. They like have swastikas everywhere. They're you know complete pieces of shit. And the guy is like to Louis, like, "Are you Jewish?" And Louis, he's not Jewish. He's Catholic or something, or, or mm, Presbyterian. Mm. He's one of them or whatever. Um. 
not that it fucking matters anyway, but like the the skinhead guy is like to him, like, I, I want to know, like, if, if there's a Jewish person in my house. And like, Louis is like in, there's like five or six of them around him. And Louis just like, I'm not like telling you, you don't have to know and all this shit. Like, yeah. And you're watching well, it and you're like, what the fuck, Louis? Just say no. I don't want you to get <laughs> well, hurt. Like. Well, well, this was, this was so good because he kind of admits that. Like he, he puts himself in very scary situations, both in terms of like on a human level, like so. And you can see that progression because it was funny because I, I found an old clip of Louis um, interviewing the, the new Ku Klux Klan. It was very old and it wasn't a full documentary. It was just like a, a 15 minute thing. And the thing is, the Ku Klux Klan, um, they're not particularly scary, to be honest, which in this, like they just look like a bunch of fucking idiots and he kind of catches them out but the nazis one you know he's around very potentially very dangerous people but if you listen to his podcast recently he spoke with um john ronson about that that moment that you're talking about jack and how he felt he needed to stand his ground and not acknowledge that there was an issue in distinguishing whether he was jewish or not and he says i feel comfortable now to say i'm not jewish but i had to stand my ground a little bit but he says there is a one moment where when the guy's like, can we turn off the camera for a sec? And you just see him kind of just get a little bit uneasy in his seat. And like, I can't imagine what that would feel like sitting there in, in this like horrid place in America. <laughs> and you've no real control about what, what's going to happen next. Well, he has a, he has this like incredible demeanor about him, the way he talks to people. It's it's as if like he's just immediately like calming. I suppose it's just he has such a, a docile like stance that he can really bring people like down to earth. Like there was that, uh, what's that one in the dark states when he uh, he goes to Houston and he like explores like sex trafficking and the sex business in yeah, Houston. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's talking to like a pimp behind like the screen door or whatever. And, oh yeah, he, and, fist, he fist bumps him through the, the yeah, glass. he fist bumps him through the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so incredible. awkward like that, and he he's it's the so one who initiates incredible. it too. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I love how the pimp comes <laughs> out. The pimp's name's Fancy, and he's really like upbeat and everything, and he's like trying to make a joke out of it, and he's like not really answering questions properly. Just the way that Louis answers him. It just brings him right down to earth. It properly gets him engaging. And then, like, the two laugh together. And I don't know how he does it. It's possibly because, like, he comes across... in the, Like, obviously, the documentary has, like, an agenda behind it. Or, like, what... It, it has a point that it leans to or a side that it yeah, leans 100%, to. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But while, as, a, as an interviewer, he's almost like a reporter to the people he's talking to in the fact that he's so unbiased. He's just, like, asking questions and well, they don't feel yeah, like on. he's on either side, and like even well, no, when he's something like a he, pedophile, yeah, <laughs> like you're yeah. like and, and the pedophile he, looks like his mate. Yeah, and he, you know, he he realizes that I think that what what makes Louis such a skilled filmmaker is, I mean, the funny thing about you know we're going to be talking about documentaries, we're going to be getting into things because you know a documentary is still a, a form of filmmaking at the end of the day and there's different styles and things like that louis is is very very basic and he just makes it about the people and that's what is so powerful about the documentary he makes it about the people he's interviewing and that's where all the good content is they're not shot very technically well they're not edited particularly well as in like they, I, sorry i don't mean well but you know they're not there's no there's no kind of yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like it's very there's bread no flair. and butter. That's that's yeah. what you're getting. You're right. There's, you're right. There's no like you know landscape shots or any like you see with a lot of Netflix documentaries mm. where you know they're very hyper stylized and like yeah. really con- high contrast camera work. And Louis, yeah, like so. he just has his cameraman. He has the mic on the camera, and it's just the two of them. And I feel it's like, immersive. 
Yeah, exactly. It is immersive. Like you feel like you're watching real life. It's an um, eth- it's oh, an ethnographical documentary. So it's it, it's the opposite of it's not the opposite. It's it's dislike an anthropological an anthropological one. So as an interviewer, he's like going into these communities, very bare minimalist and living like them for even a, yeah. if a few moments. And that's when he gets his content. I mean, even when he went to go back to Tiger King again, even when he went to Joe Exotic, Joe he, Exotic. Was there for, he was there for a week on Joe Exotic's mm. encampment. And that was only a small part of it. Uh, yeah, well, that's the, yeah. The, that's what I loved about it, to be fair, because, you know, Tiger King, which we, we've talked about loads and, and, you know, Jack, I'm sure you'll elaborate on this, but, you know, how documentaries can be deceptive and they can be the problem with Netflix is they're very, what's the word, sensationalist. But Louis could have just made his documentary about Joe Exotic and he, he touches on how eccentric Joe Exotic is and, and how he's kind of like what's funny about in the, the when Louis discusses um joe exotic's love life is it, it's just a brief mentioning that yeah joe, joe exotic <laughs> has two husbands do you know what i mean it's just like a, i have two husbands and, and yeah it's not a 20 minute segment you know exactly. he said on yeah, he said on graham norton recently actually though that he he does wish that like if he could go back he'd spend a lot more time on joe exotic and the fact that he has three husbands <laughs> but it, it, it was about america most he, he, i think he feels like he missed a bit of a it's a bit of an opportunity there i respect him more for that because i feel like louis goes out there and he doesn't try to like set an agenda like the rest of um documentaries do like he gives these people a chance you know so at the very start of lewis and the nazis he's in the kitchen and they are making swastikas on the floor and Mm. louis is like absolutely fucking appalled and mm. he looks so shocked and the woman says to him louis you came to me you said you wanted to see exactly how i live when i draw this on the sand do you think i care if anyone else sees them no mm. so it, when i draw them in my house don't know why you're so offended so it's clear that he goes out to these places and he's like live your life exactly as you would mm. and yeah. it, this is kind of the style for the majority of, of uh, the weird weekend series and the, the original louis through series um, where it's kind of he immerses himself in these uh, lifestyles and people's actual lives like the, the UFO he goes and yeah. shoots the, the laser beams when the, the rap laser one. beams yeah. he goes and makes a rap record you know he yeah. goes to yeah. East Broadway and he gets Apparently in the porn, porn one uh, he's, he's, he stars in a gay porn as a ranger so he knocks <laughs> on the door and there's like eight lads in there and he's like hello I'm just here to inform you that there's a criminal on the loose <laughs> he also he also has nudes and he also had plastic surgery so in the weird what did he have yeah, plastic he, surgery on he got uh, he so, got um liposuction done didn't he he got lipo yeah yeah he oh, got liposuction as a part of the documentary what i love about him is he he will probe a, a, um, a topic and he will raise valid criticisms of of what he's trying to do so he does it with with he does he does it with the plastic surgery and he raises you know these are valid criticisms that 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 some people make i'm not and he kind of says i'm not necessarily making these criticisms but these are criticisms that exist in the, the world right now but what i do love about it is he puts himself in this scenario so he can say well i'm going to do it myself like he he uh he, as you say jack he got the plastic surgery i i recently rewatched um louis and the brothel and i actually think it's one of my favorite ones um just because of how uh mainly because of his relationship with um one of the one of the prostitutes in it she's uh, she has a very troubled story and but she is hyper intelligent in it and she's she's one of the few interviews interviewees that i've seen that is kind of where louis met his match where she really knew how to kind of play him back and 
they have these back and forth conversations at times that you know you're kind of like you know louis plays dumb a lot of the time and he'll he'll ask questions that he already knows the answers to but just yeah to see yeah he does yeah how the person will will give an answer but what's great about you know the, the louis and the brothel is you know she kind of makes the ball in her court she, she won't do certain she she won't do interviews unless he gets a massage off her and then straight away you know he's in she her territory the power, yeah, she the exactly in the and, and it's and it's really interesting to watch because you know by the end of it they, they kind of have this weird relationship where I, I kind of finished watching it and i was like in another world maybe these two would have dated each other or, or would have been <laughs> friends i i know yeah, it's bad but that, 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 that is a very have, very good episode they it, have it, a, it really have is this fine weird, documentary weird film. You, you know the way you're saying that he, he asks questions about the like justifiable criticism but doesn't he yeah. also ask questions that does kind of like even though you know he's against like the person he's talking to in the cases that he is against the person he's talking to he asks questions that does kind of be like oh well yeah I suppose that's that is why they're doing it you know he does give them a chance to like justify exactly. themselves and if they're capable exactly. of doing that they, they do it but like you know that he is like the purple's devil's advocate in a way. Like he exactly, he is a yeah, devil's advocate documentarian. Like he, uh, yeah, he, he does comes give in. And he's kind of the he. He is the neutral, and he he's that you know. But what I do like about it is he does let that slip. Sometimes he lets it slip. Yeah. in, in the Nazis episode where or he the just second, like I mean, the second on, episode sorry. of Jimmy, the second episode of Jimmy Savile when he went Exa- back. Yeah, to, he went he back was, and he just you know kind of annihilated jimmy savile i was also real surprised when you remember the leaving neverland documentary came out yeah how he how he publicly tweeted about like refuting any idea of leaving neverland being completely truthful is the worst thing you can do which in my opinion like is pretty irresponsible by him because documentary in itself is a biased film format it is a it's pushing an agenda and especially leaving neverland leaving neverland is is completely this is one side of the story that we're giving you take it but louis shouldn't be and that's fine to do like that's fine to do as filmmakers but louis shouldn't be promoting that as this is 100 percent the truth you know take it because especially how he does it you know i i think though i think because of his experience did you ever watch his michael jackson documentary yeah uh, that's a fantastic one as well even though he never fucking meets him meets him he never meets him he never meets him but it's just the way that everyone around him acted and his father and everything like else and everything else and obviously his jimmy savile documentaries as well that's yeah. some fucking powerful, powerful filmmaking yeah, right the there. Yeah, the Jimmy like, Savile one's brilliant. Yeah. Did like, you watch um? Did you watch the original Savile one? Did you go back and watch? Yeah, the, yeah, like the, the one that was made in the late nineties, early two yeah, thousands. That and was the when Louis Met series. Yeah, yeah. J- Jimmy, Jimmy Savile, literally, like you, you have to you. It, that won't be on Netflix or anything. You have to find that no, online. You but have to find that. Jimmy online, Savile yeah. is like he knows exactly what Louis trying to do, and like he. Yeah acts like he's vicious in that documentary in the way that like not in the way he acts towards louis but in the way that he's like kind of manipulating everything and like you know he'll walk in and you're you're not sure whether you know they're gonna have a massive argument or whether you know he's gonna be like oh come on jimmy uh or come on louis let's go for a run or something or come on you're right exactly up here or something he's always it's like he's trying to get away from the question or something and like by the end of it you can see louis absolutely fucking exhausted and he's like i, I like this this is really tough or whatever like i think as well mentally because, and physically like yeah yeah and i think i think louis was divided in how he felt about um jimmy savile because like louis has to spend time with people who have done horrible things and 
you know, talk to them as humans. We, we he said the pedophile episode, he spends a whole couple of weeks talking to pedophiles and talks to them on a, on a human level. Um, and I think with, with Savile, he, he kind of had an idea, but obviously he didn't have direct proof. But he did he did take the opportunity to to kind of flirt with that 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 conversation with Jimmy Savile. But as you say, Jack, like Jimmy Savile was an expert manipulator and uh, he, a powerful man as well. A, a very powerful man. Very. And, and in, you know, even in the BBC where, where Louis works, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and Savile um, as well. I don't know if you've seen this. He was in um, he was in Mensa, so he was a hyper intelligent man, and obviously that that explains how he got away with a lot of these crimes for for so many years. So that's another person that I think where Louis met his match, as you say, Jack, where he 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 was able to to be this kind of weirdo because you, when you talk to Jimmy Savile, when you're talking to Jimmy Savile, you don't you, you never knew who the fuck he was. You know, you were just watching him. Everything he says that's coming out of his mouth. You're just like, oh, Jimmy Savile is just this kind of eccentric character that that comes out with these these weird things, and that's why he was so good at evading the truth because you you, you could never take him for face value. And I think with most of Louis's interview subjects, because I am, um, I saw, I think this is particularly evident in the Westbury Baptist Church episodes because these people are obviously on a different level when it comes to their beliefs and and the things they say, but you do see a very human side to them. And he, he even admits that I, I found that, I, you know, he found that the girls very charming and likable and they were just, they were, you know, they were a family that he, he identified that they were, that they were definitely a family unit. And you really see it in the final one he made just last year where he visits. Yeah. Them. I mean, they're, yeah, they're that, just broken. They're just, they're just broken. They're just a yeah, shell of what completely they were. Fucked. Like and, didn't, uh, didn't the, the head priest go over to like, they opened like the LGBTQ plus right across charity the road. across the road. And like before his, before he died, apparently he went over and said, everything I've done through my life has been wrong or something along those lines. He, 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 yeah, <laughs> like, well, that was it. He, and he went Louis to brings that up and they go fucking mental. They go crazy. Yeah. They're like, mm. no, 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 no. Like it doesn't happen. Like that's one where Louis is like, he's, he's hit with this pure sheer wall of ignorance and, you know, hatred and no this is wrong, I'm right, because the Bible yeah. says so. And he yeah. still manages to make an excellent documentary. Not just one, yeah. but three of them, you know? Three. And, and they're all they're all as good as each other because you see the progression and, you know, he, he identified in the younger ones as well that, you know, there is definitely, you could see he knew there was doubt in a lot of the ones that, that did leave. And he, he, he really hits those points. And I think what was really telling about the Westboro Baptist ones is they, they all like Louis as a person because um, in a, in the last one I watched, he it's it's kind of weird how they turned out because the first two, um, they must have shot them in summer because they're all really sunny. In the last one, I don't know, they just shot it and it's just raining all the time. And I think it really helped with the, the documentary because everyone is just so like dour and like they don't have any vigor in them anymore. Like, and Louis ad- identifies that. He's like, you guys used to be like, you know, these overzealous, you used to have these crazy sermons, your signs were so egregiously offensive, they had stickman figures having anal sex and stuff, now they just say, God is coming and, and, and you're you're all doomed, and, and he's like, you, you know, you'd see that on any church, and he kind of was like, I think you guys are, are broken, and he kind of does pity them in a way, but also you can see in his mind, he's like, I am, I am aware that these people have said and done terrible things, and I don't think I, I think he, I think they wanted him to show a bit more compassion to them, but he, he didn't hold back. He still pressed them and, you know, how can you abandon your children? How can you this and that? And it makes for really compelling documentary making when you watch the, the progression of those three 
documentary shot over the course of like what 10 years maybe yeah yeah i think it's around 10 years uh it's the same nice. with the the original porn stars one and then the oh uh, that was excellent twilight of the, the porn twilight stars, like it's very fucking sad you know yeah and one, I one, love one, how... one of the guys that he was you know uh quite close with in the first one actually kills himself in he the, does yeah in the second the, one i think james one. dean or something but, that, yeah uh, that was one yeah yeah it's, it's quite it's quite sad you know isn't uh, and, the um, My Scientology movie and you were saying that's banned in Ireland still, is it? Uh, yeah, well, Scientology is a religion um, and they have filed that the movie is blasphemous. Oh, so in the sense. film that Northern is Ireland. That fucking bonkers though, isn't it? Yeah. I know Scientologists in Ireland. Like, why do we allow Scientologists in here but we're not, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not allowing them to like play the movies? Like, uh, how like fragile do they think our opinions are that we can't watch know, a Scientology yeah. movie and we're all just going to be Scientologists well, well, well the film laws in Ireland are like made from like 1964 yeah, yeah. that's like, crazy something around that like oh sorry did it, have any of you started watching normal people actually no uh, what no I, I haven't actually, was, let's, let's, let's briefly talk about the, the live line normal people converse, uh, controversy I just want to. I just want to talk about you know. You're the Bishop Cox is like a representative yeah. of the Church now. He was. He said about the RTE program and because it has one of the longest. I think the longest sex scene that's ever been on RTE. Normal people. I think so. Yeah. And, it's like um, eight minutes or something. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like the whole like first two episodes is just a sex scene. But um, <laughs> he said that that's ridiculous to have on television. There could be children watching or married couples. <laughs> fuck's sake if, like what god, for, god forget god forbid the married couples have sex yeah what, <laughs> like what on earth i thought the catholic church was all about married couples having way too much sex well um well when well normal people is obviously i haven't watched it yet um i don't know if i will if it's my cup of tea but look it's it's a big hype and you know i'm sure it's lenny abramson directed it and i love him yeah love him as well yeah he's an excellent director um, he's one of the but, people who just make you read his resume and you just think i feel so shit about myself like he, he <laughs> he's so uh, he's so like in college he he started his first ever short film won multiple awards like in college <laughs> in Tri- he went to trinity college to study physics and philosophy ended up starting like the film society <laughs> made multiple award-winning short films and then went on to direct room and like he's incredible garage and like frank you know that frank one with um, frank he, yeah um he directed Donald Donald Paul as well. break. yeah yeah with um, with, um yeah like frank was kind of like uh because that had like that had like maggie gyllenhaal and, and michael fassbender that was a big one yeah like and like he did adam and paul which is really good i love yeah it. yeah yeah it's really good um but yeah, so normal people. Um, it's been a huge hit in the BBC. Big hit. Yeah, I'm def- I definitely am going to watch it. Um, yeah, but um, it, it caused obviously a bit of a stir on Joe Duffy's live line when um, a few people from I'm 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 just going to make an assumption here, but it has to be true because there, there's no way anyone from Dublin called live line to give out. There was Colchies, and they were disgusted by the sex scenes <laughs> in it. And uh, there was a brilliant bit in it where one of the ladies um, was was giving out stink on it. And to be fair to Joe Duffy, he was having none of it. You know what I mean? And he's he's an L one himself. But he was he was kind of saying, "Look, this is this is ridiculous. Like, come on, like." But one of the girl, one of the ladies who called up goes, "I mean, Joe, it's like something you'd see in a porno movie." And then Joe just kind of goes, "Well, what would you see in a porno movie?" And she goes, "Well, I wouldn't know." Yeah, <laughs> was, uh, weren't they saying like seventeen-year-olds driving? Sure, you wouldn't be having that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Got my license when I was like, 16, I think. One of them was like, one of them was, yeah, one of them was like, Jesus, she's a, she's a young 17 year old and she's driving around the place and going into the pub. Like, yes, that's what 17 yeah. year olds do. Welcome to yeah. rural Ireland. Like, there's no Honestly. fucking buses and nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I. It's it's a strange one though, normal people, because I watched the first four episodes. I think I'm four episodes in. What, what are you thinking of it so far? So it's essentially about normal people, which yeah, like, it's it's just, it's very it's it very bland. Well, overly well, translate. I was the, expecting the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> but like this is it. Like it, like when it when it said normal people, I was like, okay, so it's probably not about the most normal of people, but it literally couldn't be more normal. Well, well I, Sally really Tiernan, went to did, Trinity, and did, she's well, just rising by the experiences, yeah. her own experience. Well, Tiernan, did you spot um, a very local? nightclub which they shot a number I of did, scenes in. I did, I did. Tomango's nightclub. <laughs> Tomango's Tomango's nightclub. Yep, yep, yep. Where the, where the gang goes. Yeah. <laughs> where the normal Many people a night. My mum and dad met there, funnily enough. Just oh, like, well, you know, in, in Irish nightclubs, they used to, uh, like, they didn't have a late night buyer license. It didn't exist or whatever. Or it was very hard to get. So they used to, like, you used Sir to get food. your... Yeah, they serve you food at the door, like so. You pay a tenner like, like in, a, you get a drink voucher and a chicken curry. And a like. Chicken curry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm 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 laughing at that now, but I ate more, like more than enough uh, tomangos hot dogs that I'm I'm proud yeah. of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I ate a lot of those, so I'm not much they're, better to be fair. They're like munching on a hot dog while there's like five fights happening behind you. <laughs> You're like trying to haggle the hot dog man as well, and then like trying to leap in a taxi with it. But uh, Nick was probably turning. The thing is Nick about normal turning people. You away, turn. The thing is about normal people is they cast a really good-looking girl as the main part, and she's meant to be really ugly in school. And the main fella yeah, is he's, yeah. he's meant to be ashamed of her. But you just never feel that because you know that if this was real life, as soon as any any good-looking person in school like bloomed. They were immediately accepted and popular. <laughs> so I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like there's no real reason for him to be like ashamed of her, but he is throughout all yeah, of her, I get all you. a second I get you, yeah. and uh, second I don't want to ruin it or anything. What I think it would be a lot more immersive is if it was like he was in a gay relationship in secret and was ashamed of his gay relationship like because that that is a kind of commentary on like irish secondary schools and different things like that I, yeah, it just yeah. it seems like it's it seems like it, it is that story just with a straight relationship instead with of a, a straight gay relationship. relationship i get you yeah i get you and yeah, 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 then and then another thing that's kind of annoying is they're from galway i think i think it's galway no sligo 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 and they move to dublin to go to trinity dublin, yeah. and they can just afford student housing the main the, the woman <laughs> <laughs> the, the woman in it is on wellington avenue like right beside balls bridge and she's yeah. like in this enormous house and it's just like yeah that's fine like don't be so irresponsible okay woman yeah how have them living in fucking yeah. shitholes on fucking Talbot Street. Like. It's literally five students a basement room for four hundred a head. <laughs> Don't act like you can just like go live in this enormous mansion right beside yeah. fucking Trinity. No, yeah, that, who made it? Did the BBC make it? I think the BBC. The BBC it. and uh, Hulu actually. Hulu. Hulu yeah, Hulu, Hulu are involved. Yeah, apparently mm. every episode is out on Hulu if you have mm. Hulu. Mm. Yeah, Orty have just been broadcasting it, but it's a it's a yeah. it's a Hulu BBC um, production. I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't good. say don't watch it, but you'll kind of see what I mean. It, it's a very, mm. 
it's it's very normal <laughs> rather, <laughs> yeah. ra- rather than entertaining you know i mean some things just don't translate to the screen yeah 100%. fair enough uh, um, will we get on to our next documentary guys yeah uh so uh ian um what uh documentary did you bring to us or several documentaries probably So, so I have one in particular that this, I, I picked this one because this is a documentary that, unlike anything I've ever seen before, and I'm, I'm going to have to be a little bit conservative about how I talk about it now because I, I really can't t- tell you that much. Because um, I, I don't want to, even for the sake of spoilers, um, but it's really good. It's called Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. And it's a 100% a true story, and it's directed by a guy um, called Kurt Kuen. And essentially, it's a, a tribute film to his best friend who was murdered. And um, Kurt was, is a young, was a young filmmaker at the time. And I mean, he's not really known for much. He's, he's done a few short movies and things like this, but this movie was was his kind of his big massive movie. But um, his you know his um his best friend, um Andrew. Um, he, he was friends with him for years and he used to be in all his, his kind of home movies. And, and what's great about it is, you know, he has all this, this extensive footage of the, of these home movies he made when he was a kid. And I mean, the, the, the documentary spent so much time on, on who Andrew was as a person and, and, you know, their friendship and it's just interviews with all their friends. And I mean, it really, really is a great tribute piece. But, you know, you find out that Andrew, he, he, he was going out with a girl for a while. They broke up and, you know, his ex-girlfriend, she, she, she's on the documentary and, you know, they, you can tell that they did have a very good relationship, but it, it just broke apart and they, they remained friends after. But he took it hard. So he started seeing this, um, this new girl that, that everyone was a bit suspicious of. And, and Andrew in, in, the, in, the, in the documentary is uh, painted as a very popular guy whose his friends are very important to him so a lot of his friends were all talking about it and they're all very passionate about him and, and they loved him very much but the, you know they address his new girlfriend and there's kind of something a bit off about her and people feel that she might be you know a little bit bit odd and a little bit you know controlling and um essentially one day they, they just get a call and andrew's been murdered he's been shot shot dead about four times and this isn't spoiling anything because this is in the trailer and everything yeah but um essentially you know straight away they all just assume it, it, it was his girlfriend and um you know they have this suspicion about her so um you know the girlfriend you know she doesn't get arrested you know there's this kind of in a bit of an investigation going into it she's obviously a suspect but you know they haven't arrested her and and that kind of thing and then the big reveal is that his girlfriend is pregnant and with with his son, Andrew's son, who's now dead. And the son's name is Zachary. And the movie is made for Zachary as a as you know, this is this is a, a film about who your dad was. And and the movie really is that. Um, but also tells this 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 kind of crime story about the dad and and, and so um, Andrew's parents then, and they are honestly like the loveliest people ever. Um, I think they're David and Kathleen. And I mean, they're just incredible people, but they have to stomach a relationship with Andrew's suspected killer, essentially, because that's their their grandchild. And it's about their battle to kind of try and get the custody of the child while also, you know, suspecting that, you know, th- this girl killed their son and they have to stomach a relationship with her for the sake of their, their grandchild. And um there, there is a massive twist in it and uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to give away anything, but 
it, it is a really heart-wrenching story. It is one of the few pieces of film that I actually cried in. I cried twice watching this film, which is, is pretty insane. <laughs> wow. I, I genuinely, insane. yeah. I Because, uh, I mean, I mean it's weird because cause I've watched, you know, you watch documentaries about heavy subject matter and, and you know, they are really heavy hitting and they're they're sad and they're they're brutal. And, you know, even, even what we were talking about, Louis, he, he covers some really, really heavy topics that are very emotional. But this one is so personal that you feel like, you knew Andrew yourself and just what, you know, I think it's, you're watching it the whole time thinking, God, what a waste. And and it, there is something really nice about watching how loved someone was. And, and all it is, is just interviews of people telling stories of how much they, they cared about him and, and, you know, what it was like being a teenager with him, what it was like being in the twenties. But the director, um, Kurt Quinn, just, he, he, he really does not, as a filmmaker, he really crosses that line into making it about himself. And, you know, we talk about bias and stuff. This isn't necessarily a... I don't think he set out for the documentary to be about this kind of crime that happened. I think he set out for it to just be a tribute to Andrew's son, Zach. Exactly, his friend that he, that they all cared about. But it becomes this other story. And it's amazing because the documentary starts off with this and you're kind of getting sucked into Andrew's life and all. But then the other half is watching this, these legal battles... Um, this this kind of crime story that's going on and, and just how desperately unfair the whole situation was and there, there you know as I say there's a twist in, in it and um, it is genuinely one of the most powerful pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen now it, it's a little bit more stylized than um, other documentaries it's it's very well shot and very well edited and um, it, it genuinely is one of the most powerful documentaries I, I've ever seen and it's weird because Kurt Quinn hasn't he's not much of a filmmaker he he, he He's directed a few episodes of that um remember that blacklist show that uh, yeah that was on uh, like you know he, he's typical Sky Atlantic a, yeah exactly and the Sky Atlantic fucking TV show that no one really watches Gangs but, of London uh, <laughs> exactly. comes up every five minutes like, exactly but um, where where can you uh, where can you watch this well the 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 funny thing is the entire film is on YouTube. Free oh, YouTube, is it? I love it. I love when that shit happens. It's perfect quality as well. I watched the whole thing and I cried twice. And I'm, it's just a fair warning. People, if you're going to watch this and if you're in any way a bit emotional, you will cry. I mean, don't watch it hungover. Don't, don't, like, don't be fragile in any shape or form. Because what I think what's so good about it is, as I said, it just it, it makes you feel like you knew Andrew as a person. And... You know, it would be like if if you lost your parent and you had your parent's best friend there with all this footage and all this stuff to put together to show to you to say this was, you know, your father that you never you never knew. And it was such a shame. Yeah. But this is how much it really is. It's a beautiful piece of film and it's such a touching um, tribute to his friend. Yeah. I think he set out to make that as it because. And what's interesting about the documentary is there's a, there's twists along the way and you can tell he didn't realize the documentary was going to go in the direction it did. You can see him kind of, you know, saying, you know, and then this happened and, you know, he was, I think he was just continually shooting and, you know, there, there does come a bit in the documentary where he, he kind of says, he kind of comes to a halt and he kind of goes, I, I didn't know what to do with the documentary at this stage. I didn't really know how to finish it. And he kind of, I mean, I think he probably, he probably shot it over the course of a number of years. Mm. But I I could not recommend it enough. It is it is a deeply personal documentary. It's 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 not because documentaries are great at you know covering you know I mean it's the best things they can do is they can cover huge political events. They can cover 
you know, they can cover huge big topics. They can cover, you know, corporate greed. They can cover really, really heavy hitting topics that are that are far reaching and affect millions of people. This is a one isolated story that just focuses on one one guy and his, his kid's story. And it is just could not recommend it enough. Sweet. Yeah, no, that, that sounds unbelievable. I'll probably yeah, have to uh, watch yeah. that tonight. It's yeah. interesting um, how you say that, like, because I was looking through his IMDb there. He really doesn't seem like much of a director at all. Do you think that, like, documentaries almost uses, like, a stepping stone in a way to get into proper heavy-hitting filmmaking? Can you hear me, yeah? I can hear you, Tim. Oh, you know, <laughs> I lost you there, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry, I lost what, you. What I, what I was saying is that, you know the way that you say he's not that much of a filmmaker? Do you think yes. documentaries a bit more of like... I This is my personal opinion. I think that documentaries a lot a very accessible way into making incredibly like immersive drama in any in any scale. Like you were saying, you can do it on the broad end of things and like the heavy hitting international issues mm. or even like the most personal story you find. Yeah. And well, with I, like I, a I, good I, crew around I, you, it's, very, it's a very... It, compared to like feature films or making like a proper drama yeah a, i i completely agree turning yeah. i completely Points agree like look at the guys who make catfish catfish, catfish i was literally about to say is catfish fucking catfish is the is the issue with documentaries it's I, I, I was about to say yeah i i, I watched catfish yeah. this week because of that check yeah no but like mm. i mean we I, I sent you guys that essay that video essay and it's like the problem with documentaries today is that mm. they are more and more like reality tv so like yeah, you have like 100%. the amazing documentary filmmakers like Louis Theroux and then you kind of have like the middle ground which is like making the murderer which I'm not saying you know is sensationalized or whatever but I'm saying is presents a certain yeah it presents yeah, a certain viewpoint and then you get shit like um Cat, like, like Tiger King, yeah. Catfish. When you look back on Catfish now, it came out in what two thousand and eight. I'm gonna say, like, it is it is unfathomable that he mm. did not realize what was going on. Well, no, it's not. It's not to that. It's not to that. Case. I did watch it there the other day, and it was kind of played out genuinely. Like compared to, now it's funny that you say obviously documentaries like distorted into reality TV because it is now, because Catfish is reality TV now and that is yeah, kind of like yeah, what, it, it, what like... it's sent from. But the initial documentary, it, it did seem, it seemingly start genuine and then obviously the filmmakers, they decided to just play with it. They decided to roll with it a bit. Well, I think but, they, I think they acknowledged that, didn't they? They did yeah, say no, no, it, it started the out genuine. They're very transparent. Like, they're very transparent. Yeah. But what I like, think happened with documentary is that I, I, through certain acts of the film, there is a wow factor. And yeah. that wow factor only gets bigger and bigger throughout the film uh, to the point where you're like, what the fuck? This just got wild. Then yeah. what the fuck is going on? And then, oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's a nice little resolution. And then what the fuck? One more time and then gone. Yeah. It, and yeah. that, that's been the case. And it's, it's progressed so much over the last few years in particular because they must, they must sell... Because, like, think about it. If you, like, Don't Fuck With Cats, for example, that couldn't, that was just on a crescendo of craziness the whole yeah. way. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking mental, yeah. like. And then well, uh, and then they topped it with Abducted in Plain Sight. Plain Sight, yeah. Tell, tell <laughs> yeah. Me Who I Am. Another documentary I watched this week yeah. was Three Identical Strangers. Oh, amazing. Finally, amazing. Finally, Tiger King is just the epitome of American turning document documentary into reality, <laughs> into yeah. reality TV. yeah. But but I, I think as well this an interesting thing about about documentary filmmaking is how it's changed because there is more of an ethic an ethical 
stance you need to you need to take in mind as a documentary filmmaker than you would be as a regular film as a regular because, filmmaker yeah because i think documentary it's difficult because i i would i i, I deal with a lot of this in my job every day you're, you're you know, documenting like, reality exactly and, and are, you, are you trying to present the truth or are you or your point present, of view or yeah, your point exactly. of view or and you know like i mean i think why Louis is so good is that he, at the end of the day, he is kind of presenting this is this is the truth, this is kind of the reality, and you these kind of weird people exist as well. Like he doesn't take own... he doesn't take influence over you. He he brings you like the bare he presents of you both the facts. Sides. Yeah, yeah. He pres- exactly. And it's he presents up, it's up you, to you. It's up to you. He obviously, as you say, makes a little bit of a comment as to yeah. you know, what he what struck him about his time yeah. there, but. He that, doesn't ask you to you know, come with him on that, though. That's the thing. Yeah, he, he yeah exactly. Like, he's he, just he close doesn't want to an to interviewer as a, report, as a reporter. As, an as a reporter, be, yeah, you know? exactly. You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, the problem with documentary filmmaking nowadays is it has come 100% gone and followed that rule, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Because, you know, I mean, if a documentary filmmaker is working on something and they're, they're interviewing a... a a subject and the subject says something fucking balls to the wall crazy something absolutely nuts and it there might be no truth to it whatsoever but it makes for compelling watching why the fuck would you go searching for the truth when you can just go well yeah, you know you're I, getting that's it not, to you. exactly i'm getting yeah this is this is what this yeah. person says and, and i'm it's gonna like, give it to you and and, and that's what you, that's what you get and I, I like as you say jack like it's uh you know you have your your you're making a murders where you know you're you're getting one side of the story. Yeah, like that's a very you, kind of biased documentary. Yeah, and, yeah and, then, and then you have your catfishes, which are just complete, you know, manipulation of the truth. And I think it's weird that they 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 play them off as the truth because that does make them more immersive. You know, if you hear it's a documentary, you go, "Oh, this well, this, I, this really I don't happened." Think, but I don't think catfish is as guilty uh the initial catfish obviously the new catfish yeah no yeah, yeah the, 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 the new movie catfish was... is like i wasn't talking to beyonce it's like come on yeah yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just is. lazy tv like your man's well, obviously it... just getting the paycheck now yeah, i feel like i feel like even like with stuff like don't fuck with cats i presume like most people who are listening have seen don't fuck with cats just because it was so popular but the yeah. Facebook group that, like, is the kind of unique selling point of the whole story, the Facebook group, it doesn't play a part. But the documentary, like, they don't affect the story. They find out nothing that the police actually take seriously. Yeah. You know? <laughs> In Finding Honestly. Luca Mignotta, they, they are just exterior. They know what's going on, but from their own research. And it's not affecting the legal terms whatsoever. But the documentarian looks at that and he says, well, this is what makes it interesting. So we're yeah, going yeah, to right. absolutely exactly. sensationalize it. We're exactly. going to blow yeah. it up. Exactly. It's like, that's like, true. That's the case right. is why, like, for the likes of Tiger King, that's why they make Carol Baskin look like... The, the, yeah, the look, look like this kind husband. of... this kind. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean... But it's also as well, what I was going to say about Don't Fuck With Cats was because I personally really enjoyed it as a documentary and I, I I, think it's a very interesting story and Luca Magnano was obviously a freak. But they made some artistic choices and stuff for the sake of their movie to look good and stuff. And this is what that's what Luca Magnano wanted. He wanted yeah. to be memorialized. And you have to think as a, you know, on an ethical level, you know, someone was killed at the end of the day. Do I want to immortalize his killer? And not like, yeah, you know, like, every, you everyone's going to talk who, about the guy who died. The guy who died. Can't. I couldn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I couldn't. And so that, I mean, that's the whole thing about like the, why they don't name ser- serial killers anymore. Serial killers and, 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 like, and, and mass, mass, shooters. mass shooters. Exactly. Because that's what they want. And Luca Magnotta in particular 
really wanted to be immortalized. And, and now he is from this series. Okay, people watched it and it's gone. But <laughs> Just like Joe Exotic. Exactly. This is the thing. Like, we're talking about them on a, on a podcast. So they, on a podcast. Yeah, we're talking about the fact are. that Nicolas Cage is going to play them. And then we're you know, <laughs> complaining about the fact they're going to be immortalized forever. Because, like, it, but at the end of at the end of Don't Fuck With Cats, it says all Luca Magnella wanted was to be immortalized. And now he is. What are the moral implications exactly. of you watching this film? You're just feeding into him. You check Twitter. Exactly. He's fucking trending. You're like, fuck. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but but here's exactly. the thing. Here's the thing again. It's like remember when Never uh, Leaving Neverland came out. Everyone was hooked on it, and it was mm. about three hours long in total. And then now that as a documentary sounds, whether or not you want to like call into question like the ethics of how they portrayed it, it's completely up to the documentary documentarians. Doesn't matter. But it was good filmmaking in a sense that yes, it was dramatized, but it wasn't sensationalized. It was story. They they told the story. They yeah, told their I agree side with you of the story. While it was one side, say, it yeah. was it was straight up. And then yeah. right after that, they thought, all right, well, they they just want to hear about these famous stories, so let's release an eight part series on the Madeleine McCann disappearance. Yeah, and yeah, no one God. watched it because it was droll. They dragged it out for eight episodes. Everyone and knows how it happens. ends. Conspiracy theories. You don't conspiracy theories aren't satisfying because you go yeah. down the you go down the hole you'd keep on digging and then you realize fuck there's no ladder to get back up i'm just stuck here exactly well, yeah there's that's no it. resolution that's a great yeah. way of, that is a great way of putting it that is yeah really, and then really, really and then like right it. after that we see all of these documentaries coming out like i fell asleep in making a murder just to put that out there and that this was when this kind of initial like droll kind of document uh, documentation came out but um, yeah after after no one watched the Madeleine McCann series, everyone started seeing these things like Abducted in Plain Sight come out and like yeah. these absolutely absurd, incredible stories that are just blown up at every turn where it's literally like yeah. Abducted in Plain Sight, it starts off, all right, there's a child abduction. Okay, the child abductor slept with both of the parents. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then, yeah. all right, they let the child abductor take the child. What the fuck? All right, the child yeah. abductor is after telling the child that they have to have sex because of aliens. What the fuck? And it just, yeah, like, it's one step further than the next, you know? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Just crazy. It's, it's, it's gone away from like these Michael Moore documentaries that showed you these, this overall story where it's like, this is happening. This is happening right in front of your eyes, and there's like you should do yeah. something about it. But now and it's like, oh, this child too. was abducted in like Ohio, fucking eighty years ago or whatever. Like, and this mad, well, not eighty years, but like 30, 40 years ago, and this mad shit happened around it. But it's like yeah. that's more interesting. That's more accessible for it the is, music, yeah. you know. And, I mean, and it's 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 kind of in a way, it's kind of exploitation of a very horrific event because. As you say, like Jack, like Michael Moore, whatever you whatever you feel about his politics, but he he's trying to make you think at the end of his documentaries, and he's trying to make you kind of go, "Oh shit, do I question this?" And 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 look, I'm not saying all documentarians need to have that; they need to sit down and, and say. But I think they should probably sit there and when they make their movie, go, you know, what am I, what do I want to achieve out of this film? And you know, if it's just this, like, oh, I just want everyone to watch something, go, that was fucked up. Like, what, well, what's the What's it's the... like they they can't find the middle ground. I feel like Michael Moore was a good middle ground before between like good storytelling and like good journalism, in comparison to and it also being an, well. uh, yeah, it, it's also entertaining. It's also good filmmaking. It's like it's like a um, it's like watching Vice. 
Like I said yeah. in the in the voice yeah. Fight, yeah. Fight documentaries, and you see, this is the wave. Why would you watch an eight epi- an eight part episode of Madeline McCann getting abducted, and when we know how it ends, when you can go on YouTube watch a ten minute Vice documentary, that's incredible. It's incredibly yeah. metal made. Yeah. it's yeah. so immersive, and it will broaden your knowledge. Like I'll watch yeah. it. I'll watch a two hour Vice documentary on YouTube rather than going. Yeah, on to- <laughs> like the the Vice documentary where he goes and visits Britain's most dangerous man. And it's the debt collector and he lives, the guy lives with them for like a week and it's just them talking to you and that's it. It's coming straight yeah, from the yeah. source, you know, is a yeah, lot more entertaining at the end of the day than fucking a Madeleine Kahn conspiracy theory bullshit thing, you know, where and it just, where it just what, brings what was, pain back into people's lives. A hundred percent. And the thing about the Madeleine McCann thing was as well is I could have justified because look, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Madeleine McCann is, is a story that captivated so many people, right? But why make an eight-part documentary on her and not offer a single shred of new information? That is yeah. just complete exploitation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just lazy. Nothing new. Yeah, lazy. it's like it's, lazy. So it's like lazy. murder documentaries without the like first, a, an overall arc or yeah, like an overall it's, message. It's, are, it's, it's, it's first, extremely yeah. lazy. Like the it's first catching in. I, I only watched the first step because it's about as far as I got, and I stopped watching it after they were still talking about the history of the fucking Algarve. fucking Porto fucking <laughs> yeah. uh, Porto Prince. <laughs> the Algarve. Yeah, For about like, 30 minutes in, they were still uh, talking about the history just, of the Algarve. And it's like, listen here, like, I want to hear, like, what happened to her. I don't give a yeah. shit about yeah, I mean, the I mean, Algarve and the tourist section of it. Like, Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like... I mean, I under like I understand that they ex- they explore different things about the Madeleine McCann thing, which is interesting. Like they they explore how she how that story was dealt with in the press, but like I don't understand. Like they don't come to any conclusion. You know what I mean? They just say, "Oh, this, this yeah. you know what happened," I, it, and like we know this shit. You know, what I mean? we like lots of people actually lived through it. Do you know what I mean? They consumed it yeah. every day on the news. I don't need to watch some fucking eight-hour bullshit that you that Netflix has just cashed in on. Do you know what I mean? Like on an, an actual, at the end of the day, a little girl went fucking missing, and yeah, they yeah. can stretch an eight-eight eight, eight fucking documentary about it. Th- this is the issue <laughs> with like murder podcasts. Like, do you ever listen to a murder podcast? I yeah, mean, like they're yeah. extremely popular or whatever. I, I love but then, them. <laughs> I, yeah, I like I really got into a hole eat, of like being like really, like. <laughs> re- really engaged in them. But then you know, like they completely ignore the victim and everything, and it's literally all about 100%. murder. Exactly, exactly. And it's it, all like, about well, like it's all about gruesome shit. And like you barely, yeah. you you don't like you know. Tell me the murder. Tell me who was murdered in all these yeah, documentaries. But I mean, I mean, like you know, this name, is why it's name such a... like Richard Ramirez's fucking victims. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, but I mean, like uh, violence is such a popular form of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. That, you, that humans that eat is, it up at the end. Yeah. It appeals to it, it appeals yeah. to people's morbid curiosity. But this is what I, I kind of want. I, I, everyone I likes a bad guy. Yeah. Not a fucking serial killer. Girls want a bad boy. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Well, well, I actually am um, Green well, River Killer. <laughs> well, I actually want to. Um, I actually want to go back to my movie while we're talking about this because I can relate this to the point because my movie is a set. The one I talked about, dear Zach, is a it is a crime film. But as I said, now obviously because it was made by his best friend, he made it about Andrew. He didn't make it about. Andrew being murdered he made it about Andrew and yeah you know, it was yeah. all about preserving his memory and and the same thing happened there's a movie about um there's a documentary about it's a very interesting story about um Kitty Genovese and um she was this famous this famous story of this girl who was murdered in the middle of um New York and she was raped and murdered and 
20 people watched it and, and nobody did anything and it was called the bystander effect and turned out you know as the years went on it came out that that was bullshit the new york times actually apologized for it at the time that didn't happen the full story this isn't, is, this isn't when they this isn't the center park five is it no, 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 no. This is this There's is another case, but it, it would have been around the same time though. Maybe a yeah, few that's years a, that's previous. what I was thinking. Yeah, it would maybe a few years previous. I think it was probably in the seventies actually. But she, you know, she was she was murdered, and this this story ran in the New York Times that you know twenty people watched her get murdered and, and didn't do anything about it, and the guy got away, and it was called the bystander effect. And psychologists even looked into it. It came out later that that was bullshit. You know, one person heard something in a hallway. He peeked out the door and didn't actually see anything. But, you know, they just explained that away as people were people are scared in New York that they might get, you know, into some shit or whatever. But they made a documentary about it and it was made by her relatives. And what was so good about it was they made it about Kitty. They made it all about her life. And, you know, she wasn't just this person who was raped and murdered. She had a life and she had people that loved her and she had a history. And, you know, there is tasteful ways of doing those 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 murder documentaries where you can both honor the person who, who might have been killed and then also explore the mystery behind how they died or blah, blah, blah instead of just fucking eight-part fucking droll, yeah. drawn-out fucking, well, you know, grisly it, fucking fact stuff, you know? It's, it's funny you mention that, though, because it, do you think, for example, like, you know, like Manhunt Unibomber or even, yeah, I, I'll yeah, actually yeah. talk about it more recently. Where, you know what, When They See Us, which was about the Central Park Five. Yeah, yeah. Central Park Five. Yeah. And that, that was made by Ava DuVernay, who who started off as a documentarian. She she yes, has a great, right, yeah. had a great documentary on Netflix called the thir- called 13th. It's not the 13th. 13th. It's, 13th. It's, it's an ex. You seen it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's really, really, really great, great documentary. Highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, anyway, makes you, she, ma- makes you question she, everything. Yeah, everything. I mean, America's... America's my worst like, fucking nightmare. Dick, Dick Cheney <laughs> is behind it all. Um, no, not like that. But it really makes you bring into question, like, even just mentioning quickly, and just because I haven't talked to anyone about this, but like, you know the American Legislative Exchange Council, isn't that shit? Yeah, fuck? Jesus well, it's, Christ, it's this council just... that like... It, it supervises what bills go through Congress and it's an affiliation with every corporation in America, like the NRA, like the CAA, which is a privatized prison company. Like, like, like any, anyone, anyone can lobby them. Like anyone, like, like, like laws in America are dictated by corporations. By corporations. It's just, oh, it's, it's, even like, it's it's unsettling. Clinton. So here's the, here's the biggest example. Just, just to throw this in here real quick before we get back to documentary. In uh, before Clinton's three strike policy rule, which was uh, his policy was three crimes and you go to jail, you go to prison. Yeah. And right before that, the CAA, which is the first ever privatized prison company in America, went into f- open affiliation with Alec, and the the uh, three strike policy bill had the Alec sigil on it. It had the logo on it. And then mass incarceration went up. I think it was from around two hundred thousand to about two million in the next ten years. Jesus Christ! After they privatized prisons, due to this, and and obviously the 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 story of um, thirteenth is about the black uh, population in America. And how capitalism is basically just out to get them, and it is, it has a lot of depth to the, that argument. Has yeah, a lot of depth to I mean, it. I mean, it, it, it starts out, it starts out presenting that you know why why is the black community disproportionately in, incarcerated compared to yeah. any other, and then it just gets like, oh god, it's yeah. Just... You you see why? I mean, there's now more people in car, there's now more people incarcerated in some way or another in either jail, 
on probation, on um, on probation, on parole, or just in prison than there ever was enslaved before the Thirteenth yeah. Amendment was I mean, passed. It's, it's it's oh god, it's just it's it it's is crazy. It's extremely ex- that's that you know what that is that is a documentary that is both like informative moving like it, it, it compels Excel, you excellent filmmaking it's just it's it's really good yeah but, I, but I here, here's what i mean you see now her most popular like series is when they see us when they see that's us what, yeah that's what she'd be known for she uh, she also did selma which is a very which is like a, oh yeah, film, you know, yeah, martin, yeah 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 martin luther king yeah yeah that's yeah. supposed to be very good yeah mm. but um she did when they see us which is a dramatization of the story of the Central Park, Park Five and how they were kind of lobbied against by the whole world. It's a it's a recreation basically, and it's kind of like along the same vein as Manhunt Unabomber. And it been, is, yeah, yeah, it's very much that kind of so, style. And there's been so much things done like that. There's been so much like stories told in that manner, and I think in a way that that's kind of the middle ground between Madeline, the Madeleine McCann documentaries and the Tiger King documentaries that documentarians themselves can't get right. That they can't make a documentary anymore it's like very, Michael Moore's documentaries. Tough. It's very tough. That's so it, the, it's yeah, a fine line re- to walk. Yeah, so these recreations, they're just kind of taken over in a way because it's it's like watching a television show that is as informative as a document as a documentary. documentary. Exactly. And then, then that point. actual TV show and the TV series gets people to look more into it so they can see the facts for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah. I, so I feel like it's a much lens, more powerful yeah. way. I mean, like when you think about it, I mean, look back at when these kind of documentaries started to make. I mean, the one that sticks out to me, the one that kind of started this whole sens- sensationalization of information wasn't uh, Catfish, but it was actually Super Size Me because Super Size Me is all yeah. bullshit. Yeah. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Like if you look into that documentary now, it's like he was actively not... Uh, exercising like he was making it on purpose not to exercise he yeah. had like um a vegan diet or whatever before um so the change would have obviously like of course he was going up. to blow it's, like, it's a yeah. shock, exactly a shock a shock to your to your yeah and, and he he went to like that that was shown at cans and stuff you know yeah. and, it's, <laughs> it's and he, a, just, he just calmed them like yeah and and now he's he had super high me as well and then he had um he had um, super size, super size me too, which was about him and opening a chicken restaurant, which I thought was a, a, like, a, like I haven't checked into the background of that, but it all seemed pretty legitimate. Um, but I mean, the first one, he kind of just springboarded himself off of that, you know, and he had and, all and these then, people saying. And all these then things. The, the, the thing about documentarians is they need to maintain an integrity themselves yeah, about what, they what, they're, what they're trying to get across. And I like, as you say, Jack, like Morgan Spurlock, fucking made Super Size Me it was bullshit. That means that I'm not like even if he gets a, a second movie that's that's researched really well and done right, I still kind of think his reputation. is... Yeah, like can can I can I take to... Super Size Me Two into account? Like, does the chicken into restaurant account, even like, exist? Yeah. <laughs> that it is that that is a pretty good funny like documentary. Like when he's like painting on the fucking um, painting on the chicken grill marks. The chicken and, like, grill, yeah, yeah because yeah, he's saying yeah, that yeah. they're grilled and they're actually deep fried. But like that, yeah, that yeah. like I, I, he must have something against the fucking food in- industry in the US, which is probably a fair <laughs> enough point considering well, like true, the quality yeah. of the food well, that we ate while we were in North America. Well, well, but, uh, Natalie Portman made a made one about you know like she's a vegan and all, and like you know she she did make one about you know I hate Natalie Portman. Like, just throwing that out there. 
Oh, I, certain, I hate her too, man. She she's such a political bitch, and it's like, listen here, Natalie Portman, who went to what fucking Harvard, is is an intellectual genius, has like six languages behind her, and still thinks she can virtue signal all the poor people after you made fucking prequel Star Wars films. I mean, get over yourself. Oh, it just, I, I I hate know. her because of Star Wars. That's the only reason I hate her. I don't hate her because of Star Wars. <laughs> I I just hate like the fact that she thinks that she can go to the Oscars and have like the female directors who weren't nominated stitched into her clothing yet still opting to not be in a film directed by females I don't know it's yeah, just... no. and only in, only in a production <laughs> only a produ- production company herself that has only directed one female director has only hired one female director yeah. <laughs> well, that's 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 another thing as well because you know when you have celebrities making documentaries then you know we're, we're like Going to Paltrow's Goop really... Lab. Oh, God. Did you hear about that? Oh, it's God. all the pseudoscience yeah. shit. What the fuck was Netflix oh, going on about God. that? She, she, she should not be allowed to put that stuff out. I mean, it that, it was a fucking weird. giant advert. It was a giant marketing campaign for a fucking company. Like they and, don't, and, they like, don't have uh, McDonald's the documentary and show us fucking Ronald McDonald's farm. You know. Exactly, yeah. and I like I and like I think some of her stuff is genuinely like dangerous. Like I think it's actually pretty well. It's bad either side. Like weren't they? They were doing shrooms like in her background. Yeah, they were like yeah, but like I think like, this like, will relax like, you. It certainly will not. G- Gwyneth Paltrow is the kind of person who would think wheatgrass will cure your leukemia. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, no, like she's, yeah, she, she's a bad. She's a don't don't listen to Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, she's she's trying to like <laughs> yeah, sell I, you sell your love eggs as well. Yeah, as yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Trump did go a to your video on it. If you, John if Tron did sick, a big video doctor. on it, and he and he goes through everything and basically like just takes everything apart. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a good like thirty minute watch, but it's very entertaining. Um, what what are the documentaries? Oh, I think the best documentaries actually, guys, is the doc like you were saying about your documentary is ones that start out with one thing and then it's like oh fuck this massive thing happened out of me <laughs> making this film. So Icarus, like he wants to uh, ah, see if performance yes. enhancing drugs will allow him to uh, get a higher ranked place in the, uh, in some random uh, semi like uh, amateur. It's the biggest amateur, amateur cycling thing. Cycling yeah, amateur race cycling in the world. Yeah, yeah. And then he ends up um, finding everything about the Russian doping scandal. And the Russian doping scandal, which there is... was a murder. There was um, Putin, you know, saying that this all did happen there was russia being banned for the olympics then being let back in the doctor that he found uh this had, to, had to seek asylum had to go had into to hiding like and it's fucking batshit crazy it's absolutely that is an incredible and, 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 and he just fair, wants those, to be faster in the race <laughs> but that, but that's the thing like those, those documentaries are the ones that are just a cut above the rest because like you know that they're was, very lucky at the same time as also, they are very lucky they know? are very lucky but, but that, <laughs> that, that, that like was a very but that was a very earnest documentary that went out with i think you need to think about the filmmaker's intention as well and i think that went that movie went out with 100 percent genuine intentions and yeah he wanted to know, win that I mean, race like, like you yeah, see him on exactly. the floor you see him on the floor yeah. when he comes fucking 10th and he's like these guys like they're they're just another level like i could they're be just 21 years like, old yeah. i could be 21 years old I'm, i could train every fucking day and they're on another level i, I want to fucking, know what the yeah, fuck they're doing what's going on yeah. exactly what the hell is going and on like, and like you could like, see and he's good at there on the floor and he's like how the fuck do i better myself because he he does it originally and he does it another year and he does worse and then he's like i'm gonna do all the fucking peds 
just to see because yeah. he knows he can't win so it's not a, not a, like there's not like he knows he's not going to get up there on the podium but he wants to see like if he can you know make himself the best best athlete there is and then by chance runs there's this Russian doctor and he's like oh yeah do this for everyone and like that well, that is kind of the whole like sensationalist argument that we're getting into because like filmmakers like that start with the good intentions and then the absolutely sensational part of the story kind of unfolds in unfolds, front of them wh- yeah, yeah. while they're making it whereas like people like people who go out to make like the film uh, three identical strangers they know they're making that film for the purposes of how it ends and, of and how it the, ends, this yeah. the stuff that came the information that came to fruition yeah and they're kind of yeah. working backwards from it they're, te- they're yeah they're telling yeah. you like they're starting off with the most basic part of the story that is also crazy yeah, it's a, it's, time, a, it's you know? well, well, that, well. That's what's I, that is really great about Three Identical Strangers because you know the story happened and they clearly decided this is something that we could retroactively tell and tell our experience of. It. And I, I mean, I, I, I that often works with a, with some documentaries. Like I even I really enjoy watching. Like you know, I watched um, Ron Howard's Beatles documentary about uh, eight days a week, and that's just retroactively telling the story of the Beatles. But obviously this kind of all of the craziness that happened in between. But going back to what you said about how, you know, the movie starts out one way and then they kind of get lucky. One of the biggest ones was the Armstrong lie, which was um, Alex Gibney directed that. He's an excellent documentary maker. He set out to make a movie about how great Lance Armstrong was at the height of his thing. And in the middle of the documentary, it came out that he was doping. So the documentary took a completely different turn like it wasn't he didn't set out to to expose lance armstrong or anything like he actually i think he was going to be like a you know this is a a really hero story this guy overcame cancer and and won the tour de france and then this came out in the middle of it i'm sure alex gibney couldn't believe his luck he was like oh my god i'd say literally like in the money this is (laughs) this is gonna be so good (laughs) this is getting this is getting into the academy this documentary like but um yeah, no, it's it is. There's there's good intentional documentaries, but I mean, like this stuff, it's been around since the beginning of documentary. It's always been a kind of blurred ethical kind of conundrum yeah. of how to go about making. Like even that film, remember that Irish film? I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Man of Aaron. Man of Red. It's Man of Aaron now on on Aaron on the Aaron Island. So apparently there used to be, and this was back in like the 1850s. There was a. They used to hunt uh, Baskin sharks for uh, we- for blubber, oh, okay. like, for for all the blubber on the Iron Islands, and it used to be like the most popular trade of the Iron Islands. But it died out like t- the turn of the twentieth century, like, and <laughs> then in like nineteen thirty four, someone made a documentary about it. I'll, I'll get the name. Oh, Robert J. Flaherty made a documentary about it, and just lied. Just, <laughs> just lied about the whole thing. He he made it look like they were still hunting basking sharks. <laughs> and it was still an ongoing thing he probably had some lads speaking gaelic to him like and he was like yes we kill several basking sharks a day <laughs> yeah, we use their no, blubber they, to feed our youth they put spears in their hands and all and everything and different things like that oh, and, then, and then sake, someone like, in, in, in George Stoney in 1978 made a documentary called how the myth was made just debunking the whole thing and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, just it's, called it something more than yeah. how the myth was made and like how yeah, Aaron yeah, Mann yeah. is a load of crap like <laughs> but but, but I, 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 as you say, like manipulating the story is like I mean, there's different levels of it as well because I remember reading about this and this was horrific. This was Disney who made this documentary. I think it was, 
either the 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 march of the lemmings or something okay and it was about lemmings you know the animals the little the little furry things right and there was always an urban myth that they all used to go kill themselves and if you do you ever remember playing that video game lemmings the, the whole idea of the game is that you get them to jump off a cliff because there was this whole thing that lemmings jump off a cliffs and they all kill themselves towards the end of their lives partly that's absolute bullshit uh, lemmings want to live lemmings. They do. And they were shooting these lemmings for weeks and they copped. Oh, they don't, they don't, they don't do that. They don't jump off cliffs. So they filmed it and they pushed all these lemmings off the fucking cliff and killed. I killed about a hundred of them. That's the most Disney thing ever. That's the most Disney thing ever. We're trying to keep your dream alive. Your dream alive. That screams Walt Disney's anti-Semitic side. It's just so horrible. Nothing to I, see I like here. Things. Just lemmings killing lemmings. Yeah. Lemmings, lemmings being, killing lemmings. being flooded off a cliff. Like, like talk about talk about deception. You've just yeah. animal cruelty to the new next well, yeah. level. Like, well, just, just to finish it off because we actually are coming up to an hour and a half. Well, we're well past. Mm-hmm. We're past an hour and a half now. The um, the one kind of documentary film that. Uh, type that is safe from being kind of you know biased and presented in a, in their own way is sports documentaries because everyone knows what happens out in the pitch and sports That's documentaries only give Something like a, a way um to show like more behind the scenes so like there's a fantastic one um it's on amazon prime it's about manchester city in their greatest season ever they do 100 points to win the treble or whatever and it's all about man management and everything and how pep guardiola does you know all these amazing things with these players and then you get to see like his biggest freakouts, their biggest victories yeah, you know yeah. uh like the recovery the kick guys so there's a there's like one of the guys who's just he's not a superstar he's just the kick guy and he's one of the main characters in the documentary and it's all about how like the club makes him feel like fantastic about his job or whatever how he gets on well with the lads or whatever so that's a fantastic sporting documentary there's loads of them out or there or even like the other end of the spectrum Sunderland till I die when they're it's, just yeah, yeah. Just, the they're fight, yeah, they just yeah. yeah but I mean that's that's really entertaining to watch I don't I don't like sports but I like Sunderland till I die like, Sunderland till I die good. is is like it's the first series I think is a lot better than the second series because it's, yeah yeah it's like there's so much panic and then there's like glimmers of hope and then you get like you know the manager fighting with these actual fans on the street and then you see these actual people (laughs) who's like Sunderland is everything to them and then you already know that they've been relegated like and you're like oh my fucking god and then it comes in and like the guy from London is like come on let's get the you know energetic music up you know I want that I want that and it's like oh (laughs) my god like they're just ripping the heart and soul out of the club Uh, (laughs) well on, on that note it's it's good to mention that What's number two on Ireland at the moment on Netflix is a documentary that I think we're all going to go ahead and watch if we haven't started it already. Is the Last Dance, the which last dance all about uh, follows Michael Jordan's uh, nineteen ninety seven season and ninety eight season, I believe. I'm not. I'm not mm, too sure. Chicago you know Bulls, what I love yeah. about, the Chicago this, Bulls, yeah. about this marketing is that it was brought out at the same time as Space Jam. Yeah, <laughs> onto yeah. Netflix. Yeah. So they did. They saw their opportunity. They took it. Yeah, Netflix. 100%. Netflix. I commend you. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be on a Michael Jordan buzz now, whether you're watching Space Jam or The Last Dance. Yeah, and apparently that's a very accessible documentary for like anyone. Um, for so anyone, you don't need to be into sports. I, I'm not. I'm NBA, not a fan of basketball yeah. whatsoever. Um, I don't really like American sports, well, but I do like respect athletes and like you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. That oh and uh, Drive to Survive apparently is unbelievable on Netflix as well. It's about the F one drivers. So apparently these guys like have no, like they don't care if they live or die. They just want to be fast. Um, yeah. So well, apparently that, that, that that's in, really um, good as well. 
it was, was also that Michelle Obama Santa. one that came out. Yeah, the Michelle Obama one as well. What's called like the, becoming well, Michelle Obama or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's like becoming me or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, it is. It's something well, really cheesy. I, like I that. actually have one. I'm going to talk about this very briefly because I don't think many people are going to watch it. It's actually very hard to watch. I watched a documentary about Mattress Mick, and let me tell you this, lads. <laughs> let me tell you this. What the fuck it is? It is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant and it is it, it falls into that category where you're watching it and then halfway through them making the documentary something happened and it, it changes the effect of the story and it is absolutely brilliant for anyone who doesn't know doesn't know mattress mick is a local entrepreneur he has a mattress store in pier street and in kulak and he he just sells mattresses and he's a bit of a character <laughs> he's a bit of a character he's quite active on twitter but this documentary is is like it's a complete underdog story and it's 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 uplifting it's really interesting it it is it captures dublin so so well highly recommend it highly highly recommend it all right so i think we are in fact doing netflix recommendations this week aren't we on, on our Instagram yeah page, so, so. We'll we are so we'll be popping those up so it'd be good if we started off maybe recommending documentaries we think people should watch on, on yeah, Netflix or on Netflix, yeah, yeah. yeah so I think I think The Last Dance would be a good place to start. That's anyway, a good place I, to I start. We're all going to go watch that. I personally Definitely. would like to recommend Thirteenth. I I would agree with you there, Tiernan. It, it's I think it was I think it got huge commendation at the time, but I don't know how many other people have seen it. To be honest, I, I neither do I at all. So I, I and I'd like more people to see it. You know, it's, it's yeah, yeah. I'll, it's I'll watch that as well. And then I obviously recommend Louis Through because it's Louis like eighty percent of his uh, work is on Netflix, and it has been for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so get on it. And yeah, if you guys uh, have any more points or anything. Uh, but I, I'm I'm completely done talking about documentaries and arguing about yeah. <laughs> and arguing well, about um, whether they're they're true or not. Well, also as well, Jack, um, what you mentioned, Icarus, is also on Netflix. So watch that. Yeah, it's actually well. a Netflix yeah, film. So that's a Netflix yeah. film. So you know, that's a that's a real. I think it won the best best documentary at uh, the Oscars. So yeah, it did. Yeah, we'll 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 put up a post of all of these recommendations. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the ones that we talked about and the ones that are on Netflix and accessible to watch. I mean, we should probably put up a link as well to like. Wait, where where can you watch Mattress Mickey? And I'm kind of interested in this. Yeah, I want oh, to watch man. that as well. Uh, uh, man, I'm going to have to look into it again because I remember it was the biggest hassle ever to find it. <laughs> yeah, well, like on a fa- so, Facebook uh, Live video or it something. Was, it was... <laughs> <laughs> Mattress Mix website. Yeah. <laughs> was, um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to find it out, but I remember my, my dad went through great effort to, to find it. So it's, okay. not, it's, it's definitely not an accessible one, but... <laughs> All right, well, I think that's a good point to wrap up on, and mm. we'll obviously get all that stuff up on our Instagram. Yeah, so as per usual, guys, if you could please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, give us a follow on Spotify, and follow us on our Instagram, at the full feature, and there you'll find um, us giving Netflix movie reviews. Um, we'll do movie battles as well, and we'll be posting all our content and everything else. So thanks for listening this week, and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. See you guys. Bye.